Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining episode eight of Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. My name is Jody Lai, and I'm Auto Trader's editor in chief. And I am Auto Trader's road test editor, Dan Alika. Dan. Yes. So. What's it like to drive a supercar? That's what this whole episode is Ooh. about. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this yes. is because we've been very lucky. We've been, we have a very lovely part of our job, which yes. is to test drive different types of cars that yeah. can range anything from like a Honda Civic to a Mitsubishi Mirage to a Nissan Rogue, yep. all the way up to like a Lamborghini Huracan or yep. something like that. And I think driving a supercar is a very special experience. Yeah. And I think we should talk about it because a lot of people don't have access to supercars and True. don't know what it's like to drive. Yeah. So like, let's demystify this. Joseph, hit him with the noise. <laughs> I would say my the first word um, you know, that comes to mind when I think of, of driving a supercar uh, is intimidating. And it's very true. It's not it uh, personally, I don't think it matters how many you drive, how often you drive them. And if you're not, especially in our position where, you know, they're not ours. So like, you know, mistakes could be very expensive. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, it is stressful sometimes yeah. to drive a supercar because yeah. they're so expensive. Totally. Like I just drove, I was, I felt amazing, but it was a, a Lamborghini Huracan STO. Yeah. And they made me sign like a 12 page waiver before I even picked it up. And you had to be insured for like over $5 million or it's something. A lot. The yeah. car in total costed give or take about half a million bucks. And yeah. so when I first picked it up, I was extremely nervous because that's a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of power. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not a race car driver. I don't consider myself a really skilled, technical, quick race car driver. So it is a little bit stressful to drive a supercar. Yeah. And that's the other thing is like, yes, you know, modern supercars, modern, modern cars in general, but modern supercars have, you know, McLaren's got that, that like drift um, system where you can kind of drag on the screen. You can show like, and decide, oh, how far do I want the back end to like step yeah. out during a drift? So there's a lot of, you know, modern nannies to, to make you a better driver. But fundamentally, these are still very powerful, very focused machines that need to be treated with respect. It's true. And because just because you have a $500,000 car, you know, at your disposal, it does not make you a better driver automatically. No. In fact, it can expose weaknesses in your skill set. It's very true because especially with this Lamborghini, and I mean, many other supercars are like this. You're paying for that focus of, of going as fast as you possibly can, yeah. right? And anything that can be sacrificed to help you get there has been cut. Yeah. So this Lamborghini, for example, like no parking sensors, no. you know, so like, Parallel parking it is a little bit tricky, especially yeah. because everyone's looking at you. And, and like, <laughs> let's also just, you know, point out that, like, that thing, v visibility in a Lamborghini or any supercar. You can't see out the back. No. Like, so. <laughs> it did have a reverse camera, which was nice. Because that's mandatory on all It is mandatory. All new vehicles, yeah. But you can't see out the back. No. Because it's a mid-engine supercar, which yeah. means that there's no rear window. Yeah. Or there is, but there's, like, louvers, so you can't. Yeah, and it's shaped like a doorstop. Like. <laughs> I know. They're super cool, but yeah, they're not, they're not designed. Like, practicality is not part of the 
the discussion no, in the design studio. Not like, at all. And so that's what I mean is that like you're driving it, this Lamborghini, like because being as lightweight as possible was one of its goals. So they they cut everything that that could save weight. Even the door handle, you know, for half a million bucks, you expect a car to have certain things. The door handle in this Lamborghini was just a little fabric strap. But it's because <laughs> it's so true to to the mission, right? So yes. for that, that's that's a legit race car feature. So I look at it and say, yes, the average person might say, oh, for half a million dollars. But I personally think, and you know, not that I can afford a half a million dollar car, but I think I would get in a half a million dollar track inspired supercar. And if I saw real door handles, I would be like, this isn't right. Yeah, because you have to, when you're paying that much money for something, it has to feel special. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of these supercar makers get really, really well beyond going fast, because yeah. obviously they're very fast, but they get all these little details, right, to make yeah. it feel extra special. So like in a Lamborghini, for example, um, they have their start button. It's in a little cage, like yeah. it's a fighter jet inspired cage. So you have to lift this cover and then press the big red button. And even that feels so special, yeah. you know? And then to put it into drive, there's no drive button. So you have to flip the paddle shifter towards you once to put it into drive. Which is that sequential like gearbox thing, right? It's a like race a race car, car feature. Yeah. And so uh, it's so pure in its focus yeah. um, of going as, as quick as possible. And I feel like even though it was half a million bucks, it somehow felt worth it. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> Which sounds crazy to say, but all of the thought that went into it um, and then, of course, when you when you just pin that throttle yeah. and you get that like sledgehammer acceleration and you're like assaulted by all that noise and that like the sensation of like the tires just like grasping for pavement and it feels like a freight train. Yeah. That to me is so addictive. Yeah. And. I did it in the Lamborghini many times because it is <laughs> so fun yeah. and so addictive. I mean, we were in like a closed, uh, like a closed road setting. So like we made sure it was safe and stuff, but that acceleration and all of those sensations that you feel when driving a supercar, like kind of the way it was meant to be driven. Yeah. It made me think about EVs and how an EV supercar would channel that experience because yeah. like the Lamborghini Huracan STO I was driving has a V10 yeah. and it'll probably be the last fully naturally aspirated vehicle so. that Lamborghini is doing. Yeah. Every Lamborghini from now for going forward will be electrified somehow, like yeah. either plug-in hybrid or whatever. Yeah. And so when, when it comes time that Lamborghini can only make EVs, how are they going to replicate that experience? Yeah, it's going to be tough because that that is the thing. Like I recently drove, it's not a supercar, but, you know, drove the the Ford Mustang Mach-E GT Performance mm -hmm. Edition. And Jody and I were actually talking right before we started recording today that she was like, oh, how? what did you call it? And I said, I think it was the most, the most fun in a road-going vehicle that I've had. And I know some people are going to get up in arms about that. Um, but it's true. I've had more fun in a in a track vehicle. Right. But as far as like something that was designed and built for the road, it was a blast. And I didn't worry about what I usually do with EVs is that they feel almost sterile. It's like you're... you're it's hard to have personality yeah. in an EV because a lot of a car's personality comes down to like 
how it sounds, yeah. which is which is it's crazy. It's the sensory experience, yeah. the sensory overload, right? So it's like the feeling mixed with the sound, mixed with like when you know in something like a V10 powered Lamborghini, you don't just hear it; you feel it in your chest. Yeah, like when whenever we did those acceleration runs, I felt it in my chest. But it, and like it I mean, you, there. you feel like the the like you feel the noise and the presence. Yeah. Whereas like you feel the acceleration of an electric vehicle. But there's nothing to there's go with it. There's nothing else to tell your body what's going on. Yeah. And so in an EV, that, that sensation of acceleration, without any of the other stuff that comes with it, it's always really trippy to me. Yeah. But yeah, in that Lamborghini, like you felt that speed in oh, your yeah. gut. Yeah. And and that is just something. And it stays with you even after you've stopped. And totally. you have that like adrenaline running yeah. through you. And you're like, oh my God, what did I just do? Yeah. And it's, it's like a little, I think that like risk is part of what makes driving a supercar so exciting. Yeah, and but uh, I that's just going back to like the EV thing is like having driven and having that that much fun in a vehicle like the Mach-E GT makes me very optimistic about, you know, especially like brands like Lamborghini, like McLaren that like, you know, yeah, the, these guys are going to do do right by it. I know when it happens, they'll it'll be the absolute best yeah. that they can do. Yeah. I have no doubts about that. But it just make it just made me wonder because so much yeah, of the supercar experience has to do with sound. Yeah, it's visceral. It's just you're getting yeah. into it, and it's, it's like a whole experience. Yeah. Like it's all encompassing. Yeah. Like it totally engrosses you. And I think like that. That's what I mean also by it. You know the the electric experience often being sterile. Is it almost? It's it's so accessible that it loses that excitement, right? Because it's all about like, you know, that quickness and we all know how quick electric vehicles are because of that yeah. instant torque I delivery. I mean, like a Nissan Leaf could be as quick as like... It's like, yeah, like let's say, okay, a good example is the Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is a great EV, but it's not a performance EV. But it's still really fast. It it does zero to 100 kilometers an hour, the all-wheel drive model, in like five seconds. That's the same as like a Volkswagen Golf R, okay? Yeah. So they're quick, but performance is about more than that. So it's like that, that you know, visceral experience, that whole sensory overload, um, and also just like the feeling and all that weight down low in an electric vehicle numbs the feeling a little bit right and so that's what i have long been kind of fearful of of what that's gonna because it's just not the same and again then just that accessibility in in a different way that yeah okay you get the keys to a half a million dollar supercar and it's a race car for the road and anyone with that money or that access has that vehicle but so in a different way that same principle applies to evs right where it's like anyone with the means or the money can just get into something that's super quick. Right. But but the rest of it's not there. Exactly. Yeah, the rest of that like performance feeling isn't yeah. there. Um, and so like the thing about the Lamborghini STO that I was driving was that when I was taking like on ramps, like let's be honest, on a public road, there's not much you can do with a Lamborghini because no. in, in legally you can't. No. You can't, right? Like I think they just they just clocked a Lamborghini driver up in Markham going like 140 kilometers over the speed limit, which is insane. So they yeah. impounded the car, whatever. So like legally, there's not much you can do um, outside of a track setting with a Lamborghini. Yeah. But I was taking on ramps like 
way faster than I've ever taken them before. And it could still do so much more. Like I am oh. not capable enough You're to drive this car the way it was meant to be yeah. driven, right? Like it has so much more to offer, but it was like the stickiest car I've ever yeah. driven. And it was so precise. Yeah. Um, and it just felt so good and it gave me so much confidence. And I think that confidence is a lot of the supercar experience. For sure. Because, and I, and this is, a, this is a hill I will die on, is that if you are a supercar owner, you owe it to share that joy with as many people as possible. Which means anytime you go somewhere, you have to budget extra time for people because everyone wants to talk to you. Yeah. That's the thing about having or driving a supercar is you become an instant celebrity. So everyone wants to talk to you about it. Everyone wants to take a video. Everyone wants to take a picture. And I think as a supercar owner, it's kind of your responsibility. But that was them <laughs> being like, oh my God. That's that's Jody Lie from Own the Road with Auto Trader. Oh, and then and then they were like, oh, and there's, is that is that a Lamborghini back there? It was you that drew them in, and then they were like, oh, cool car. I don't know. Well, probably not. But the Lamborghini experience is incredible because yeah. like every everywhere I went, I went to the gas station. People were like, oh, my God, is this your car? Like, can I take a video? So I would let people sit in it. I would like turn it on, rev it for them. Like I would take people on rides in the office. Yeah. Like I, I think it's kind of like a supercar driver's responsibility to spread that joy Agreed. because I think that so few people will ever get to be so close to something like so expensive and so magnificent. <laughs> I try to do that, you know, even like just having that awareness again, we've talked about on previous episodes, like we, you know, we are very lucky to do this job. We don't take it for granted. And I also take my sort of ambassadorship um, to like automotive enthusiasm seriously. Oh yeah, same here. So, you know, if there's like a kid around that whatever car I'm driving, it's not always something super crazy. Um, but you know, a kid that's really into it, I, I'm always game to like, let them check it out. I remember once we were shooting a 911, a Porsche 911 review and this little kid, like he was like four years old and was just like obsessing over this. And the dad was like, Oh, I'm really sorry. Cause he thought he was, you know, getting in our right. way. And I was like, no, no. So I like, was like, Oh, does he want to sit in it? And I like opened the door and this little, kid got in the car and it you know and I feel like who knows you know if if that kid's going to become you know an automotive enthusiast but I like to hope so and I like to think that those moments you know have have an impact on their love for for the automobile yeah absolutely so whenever i am driving anything anything it doesn't have to be a supercar and someone wants to talk about it i will always talk to them about cars Same. it just happens more often when you're in a supercar because yeah. it's so flashy right yeah um, but yeah, last, before I had another Lamborghini a couple years ago and we took it on like a two hour drive to get pizza because like, why not? It's Italian. So, so we went to get pizza, um, and we stopped in this small town and this like young girl and her mom came by and she was like freaking out, like didn't, was too shy to ask, but mm -hmm. I'm, but I could tell she wanted to. So I said like, Hey, like, do you want to come check out this Lamborghini? And she was like, Oh my God. And she was looking at her mom. And her mom was like, yeah, go, go. <laughs> yeah. And she sat in it and I like fired it up for her. And she was like beaming. She was so, so happy. I love that. And then uh, later on, her mom like pulled me aside and she was like, oh, um, I think it's really cool that you let her do this. You know, um, she's never seen someone like you in a car like this yeah. before. 
Um, and like she was, she was like a young Asian girl, and she. Yeah, I thought cool. that was so it's nice. Amazing. It's like I want everyone to like share in that enthusiasm, yes, right? No matter who you are, yeah. like everyone can appreciate a cool thing. Yeah, and it becomes you know like in that in in that instance, it's like aspirational, right, and inspirational that that because she, she doesn't know or need to know or understand what you do for a living. It's just like. In that moment, yeah, it's it's a it's something that she's gonna remember because it's like, oh, if she can do it, then I can do it, you know. That's exactly it, and I love the visibility of yeah. it too. Um, I think it's really fun because, like, the other thing about driving supercars is like me being me. Um, I'm not typically uh, the person that people expect to see when they look into a supercar. Fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the other day, me and my friend Anise were driving around in that Huracan, and it was like two women just like laughing living our best lives in this lamborghini and we would drive past some dudes and they'd just be like gobsmacked because it was so unexpected right which i thought was hilarious live laugh lamborghini (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna go up on my wall yeah oh i love that so much oh that's a good one i you know we were also talking about supercars and i mentioned the 911 earlier and we talked about it's like the 911 i it's got and I apologize preemptively to any 911 owner out there who might take offense to this. I think the 911 is a sports car with supercar capabilities, if that oh, makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think because the 911 is iconic, obviously, yes. and it was like universally accepted yeah. as one of the best sports cars in the world. Yeah. But it, but, but you it know, is a common, like, it's not. It's, it's not like obscenely expensive compared to like a Lamborghini well, or something. Well, and even just like so the Turbo S, the 911 Turbo S, that does 0 to 100 in 2.7 seconds or something okay, like that. Okay, and the Lamborghini does it in like 3.7. But that's the because it's the STO, so it's not about straight line speed no, it's about as much as overall. It, yeah. yeah, so but the the 911 Turbo S, it's like, you know, it's supercar quick. It can you know, keep up with a pack of supercars yep. on and a it track. Feels no very problem. special. But yeah, but it's but it's more of a still. It's more of a sports car, which I like. Yeah, I'm because very... it makes it a bit more accessible and less stressful to drive. Actually, yeah. and it's just a cool car, you yeah. know. But it's it's like I like that we're in the. You know, you've got. I I don't get too much into the language of oh supercar and hypercar and all yeah, these. Yeah, it's di- like but, kind of all the same. But it's cool that that there there are just like at the the kind of entry point in the market where you have stuff like the Toyota GR86, the Subaru BRZ, the Volkswagen Golf R, the Honda Civic Type R, even like below that, the Civic Si. And, you know, there's all these different options and the same exists at the top end of the it's market. It's true, yeah. So there's a lot So if of, you're a millionaire or a billionaire. There's, there's, but like, <laughs> there's like variety, which is so crazy to Yeah, to and it about. gets better with the more money you have. Um, but the 911... It's it's very much a dream car for me, yeah. Because it's it's kind of attainable. Like it's yeah. it it's obviously a lot of money, but it's it's not like prohibitively expensive, yeah. you know. And so I was lucky enough to drive a 911 uh, GT3 Touring not yeah. too long ago, which um, is cool. That so for so I did the the 911 GT3 last year. Yeah, and that's it's an all new GT3 model and the one Dan was driving has that huge wing on the back. It's it's more of the track 
focus, whereas yours, as the touring name would suggest, that one was more about, you know, yeah. a streetable version. It doesn't look as in your face. Yeah, it was like more, a little more subtle. Yeah. It was like a very beautiful, subtle, like metallic navy blue color. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like been a dream car for me to drive my whole life. Yeah. And the one I was driving was a six speed manual. Yeah. And so after I picked it up and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Um, and then I took it for a quick rip to the auto trader office and I, I parked it and I just started crying. I was like so happy to be driving this dream car To get of mine. it here without damaging it. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little bit stressful, like I said. And all of that, just like I literally sat in that car and I cried. And that's, that's why um, like supercars and like these dream cars are so important because I, I, I can't afford a 911. No. But I felt incredibly grateful that I was given that experience to drive it, basically like achieving this goal that I've had since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and it was so special. You know what else is cool about the 911? Hold on, sorry, to, to, to just talk about that manual transmission, mm -hmm. is that the GT3 has a six-speed manual, but lower in the lineup, seven it's a seven-speed. Speed. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, it doesn't really change much. It's a little weird when you throw all the way over to this like very I've never far driven away. the seven speed I've manual. Only, I've driven the the last generation Corvette also had a seven speed manual. Um, so it was the same sort of experience where it's like, it's like all the way over there. Yeah, <laughs> you like really reach for it. Um, but it's just kind of a neat little, you know, factoid. I think they did that for a couple of reasons. One of them being weight savings. And I think the other one had to do with um, I think it's just the performance because the GT3 is a is a naturally aspirated correct, engine. Correct, yeah. And so like in a turbocharged like, you know, Carrera S or whatever, the one that I drove, um, it just pairs with the seven speed fuel economy is the big reason why, right? So like when they have a, a kind of small run of a vehicle like the GT3, they can get away with yeah. it not hitting the numbers that something more volume um, like a Carrera, you know, they have to be a little more mindful of, of what the, the fleet yeah, the for sure. Economy is right. Yeah, but magical, just yeah, magical. That's cool. something I'll never forget. Like I, I love driving all types of cars. Like even even like cheap, you know, pedestrian cars. I learn something every time I drive a new car. Yeah. Um, but whenever I I get to drive a supercar, it just it like brings me back to earth, which is weird because it feels so special, and you're like flying high for the couple days that you have it. And then when I returned the Lamborghini, I got back into my golf. And, and you I was cried. Like, I cried again, but I was like, I hate my golf now. Yeah. I usually love my golf, <laughs> but it felt like actual garbage after I returned that Lamborghini. Um, but still, like, a mind-blowing experience. If, if, if you ever have a chance to, like, drive a supercar, they have those, like, supercar tours and stuff. I'm not sure what those are like, but, like, just... If you're curious about the experience, yeah. I think those supercar tours allow you to, to do it safely yeah, in like or a track, controlled environment. Yeah, or track events, the same thing. There yeah. are those, you know, track experiences where you can get a chance to drive, you know, Lamborghinis and Ferraris and McLarens and stuff. The other thing I really like going back to that whole Lamborghini thing is, you know, like if the if that's too much for you, like the look of it and everything, like no, there's no STO version, but like the Audi R8 is, yep. is a, a more palatable supercar. Yeah, you know? there, there's, again, like something for everyone. Yeah. If you want something really flashy, if you want that attention, there's something yeah. for you. If you want something that's a bit more subtle, th they have really great options there as well. Um, 
but yeah, that's that's our supercar story. If you have yeah. any questions about what it's like to drive a supercar, anything like that, you can email us at expert at trader.ca. Um, this week's Ask an Expert has nothing to do with supercars. Oh. Um, and uh, here we go. Okay. I just watched On the Road Father's Day special. Oh. Really enjoyed it. Thank During you. the episode, there were multiple discussions about first cars and learning to drive. Yeah. Perhaps talk about what cars you learned to drive in and what you feel is important to pass on and not pass on. Like tips who are wow. tips for those who are teaching others. Uh, well, I can start with that I learned to drive in a 1994 uh, Chevy Lumina. Wow. And I loved it. And I regret not. I think I went over this yeah. on that episode. You missed that, that van. I loved the the Ford Escort that I that I got from my brother instead. But... That van was a missed opportunity. I should have taken it. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I learned to drive, well, let's say I learned to drive stick on like a really old Toyota Corolla. It was gold. It felt As like mush. most of them were. Yeah. And then I think my, I, I learned to drive when I was 16 in a, my mom's like Volvo wagon. She had like an XC70 back then. Nice. It was super, super safe. So my parents felt good letting me learn in that. <laughs> that generation of Corolla, it felt like all of them were gold and of the same vintage, all Toyota Tercels were that like forest green. Or red. Oh yeah. That, that kind of like. My family had a red one. Like. You know that like um, red, delicious apple red. Yes. Like it was like a real. But not they like all a got cherry. a little bit faded, oh. so they looked a little bit pink. Yes. Yeah. That, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I learned to drive in. Yeah. Um, and what are some tips you would pass on? Um, pass on. How about some tips for the people teaching? Patience. Patience. <laughs> yeah. My thing is that like I have taught many people how to drive stick in my own car, and I think you just have to be. Patient, but yeah. also like prepare yourself that like, yes, your car is going to be a little bit abused. But that's yeah. kind of like the karma you put out there. I, totally. I honestly believe if you take the time to teach someone else how to drive and they may be like, you know, it's it's rough on your car. Yeah. Um, that karma will come back to you somehow. Totally. So I think it's very worth it. In the same vein, listen, right? If, you know, if we're going to ask the teachers to be patient and to, you know, give good advice for the students out there, listen, don't, you know, you don't know. It, it is really interesting. Like, is as much as, you know, automotive, like, culture is so ingrained in what we do every day, like, just driving and, and being driven places. So you grow up, you know, in the back seat of a vehicle. Um, you know, it's a lot of responsibility. It's a big, heavy object that can cause a lot of damage. And, like, you need to be you need to kind of take that into account when you're learning to drive is like, be patient, listen, do some driver training. Yes. Uh, um, and don't push yourself too far. Yes. Because I think when I was much younger, like when I just learned how to drive, everyone at that age is like, they think they're the greatest thing on in the world. Yeah. And so I got into like a really bad crash when I was young mm. because I, I was going too fast for my yeah. skills. I was driving faster than I was actually able to drive and I crashed a car because of it. And I know I, I think I was like a teenager at that point, but like from that point on, it was like a very hard lesson that, you know, a lot of people won't learn until it's too late. I'm a big fan of our graduated licensing. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I'm going to say, hot take, I think that we need to re-qualify for our licenses. I think we are 
too loosey-goosey in this country that once you get a driver's license at the age of 16 and then once you get your G2 a couple years later, however long it no takes. No one checks in on you. No one checks in on you until you're like in your 80s or something yeah. and they're like, oh, this person's, you know, too old. But all of that time in between, you develop bad habits and I really think that you should have to re-qualify. That's another unpopular opinion, I'm sure. But I kind of agree on you. So I actually want to do a whole episode on bad habits, bad driving habits and right. what's right and wrong. Um, this is something it. that Dan is very passionate about, I road am. safety. So we're going to do a whole episode on it. Um, but if you had any car-related questions, any driving-related questions, personal questions for Dan yep. or myself, please email us at expert at trader.ca. And we'll try one. to address a couple of your questions in every episode. Yeah, that sounds good. I can't wait to talk driver safety. I'm it's happy. a bit. It's very important. Yeah. Um, and and we've we've learned so much. Yeah. We spend so much time on the road, so we see we we go and seen some stuff. We yeah. And <laughs> and yes, it, you know, if you guys have questions about learning to drive, um, or if you have some tips that you want to share that we can absolutely you know help help spread the word about, email us at expert at trader.ca. And uh, until then, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for joining on the road with Auto Trader.